Hello everyone, my name is Illumide. And my name is Christy. And welcome to the Big Empty Purse podcast. The principal goes, shut up, Paul. So, Christy, what have you been up to since the last episode? I've been not <laughs> celebrating the most annoying holiday, April Fool's Day. <laughs> oh, I feel like I'm so bitter. I, I feel like I used to like this holiday, but now it's just irritating. I mean, you ever liked this? <laughs> I feel like I tried to like it. I've never had like a good prank played on me. Nothing interesting. Nobody's ever... I feel like a good, interesting prank takes effort, and most people don't put in the effort. They just... They don't have the range. They don't have the right. Honestly, like the only prank, and I'm doing big air quotes here, was one of my coworkers who was like running something really important, just out of the blue said, oh, I have this appointment that I forgot about. Can someone else run this? Which I just assumed was someone being irresponsible and taking up my time. Right. <laughs> and it was like April that was Fool's. A I was like... <laughs> That was Are the, you serious? Yeah, yeah. People don't even try. I mean, the amount of effort that that did not take is astounding. <laughs> I have a scheduled conflict. April Fools! Like, yeah. <laughs> what? Did you have any pranks pulled on you for April Fools' Day? No. I didn't leave the house yesterday. I did not leave the house. And it's not the case where somebody's going to text me an April Fools' joke or whatever. <laughs> like, no, I didn't have any. Thankfully. And I'm very grateful for that because I hate surprises. I really do hate surprises. And my anxiety would be through the roof if somebody did something. Like, if somebody called me with something that was like a devastating thing my brain automatically goes into panic mode and like how do i troubleshoot it as opposed mm -hmm. to like ah, ha, 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 ha. no i would kill that person so no i didn't thankfully yep we can put that behind us for another year i also got following up on last episode we talked about fragrances which i knew very little about if you listen to the episode you know now that i own a singular fragrance <laughs> But <laughs> I got I got what you mentioned was which was like a fragrance discovery kit. I didn't oh, realize cool. until you said that that they made them with different brands. Like I'd seen yeah. ones where it's like varieties of the same brand. But yeah, I'm having a blast. I just got oh, wait. it like two days ago. I have so many ago, questions but, now. Yeah. How many were in there? Which one did you get? Like which ones have you tried? Which ones do you like? So the set I got, there's 20 fragrances that come in it. Wow. Yeah. Ten are for her and ten are for him. <laughs> <laughs> They're all for me. Thank you very much. <laughs> all for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take them all. So I just got it yesterday. So I've only tried two. I don't know exactly how you pronounce this, but Mugler Angel Nova. Mugler. Mugler. What does it smell like? <laughs> I think the little card just said fruity, floral, woodsy. And then I looked up more detail later, but it was very fruity. Like when you first spray it, it was like very distinctly fruity and then had sort of a I guess woodsy-ish, floral-ish sort of smell after right. that. Um, hmm. I really liked it. Today I tried Coach Man Blue. <laughs> Some a blue of the fragrance. I'm sure. <laughs> I it tried is. a blue fragrance. <laughs> I smell like blue today. 
<laughs> yeah, I don't love this one as much, especially like right at first, it smelled like almost antiseptic-y to me. Once it oh, calmed down a little, it smells a little better, but I've got 18 more, so. Coach, Coach, they're known for making fantastic leather goods and they somehow managed to finagle their way into like the fragrance <laughs> industry part. <laughs> they're not, they're not good at it yet. They're, they need a couple more decades to figure that out. They're not great at it. Yeah, but I'm really happy. Oh my God. Yeah, I'm really happy to hear that. Yeah, it includes the, um, the Carolina Herrera good girl, the one hey. that comes in the shoe. Yeah. Yeah. When you when you smell that one, let me know if if you if you're one of the people who actually hate it. Yeah. Because I I think most people don't like it for two reasons. Because they think the bottle is extremely gaudy, and then like if they don't like the notes and the fragrance, like the already gaudy bottle already put them off. So. Mm. So they just really hate it. But let me know what you think when you get to that one. I also got the Paco Rabanne 1 million, the one that comes in the giant gold bar. <laughs> Once you smell that fragrance one time, every other time you smell that fragrance, you will know exactly what it is. It is so distinct and it is so loud. But I'm excited. They all came in these little like envelopes because they're just the trial size bottle, but the envelope is, right. you know, has the branding and everything on it. And some of the for him ones are so like aggressively, this is a man scent. Yeah. <laughs> One of them is literally like the chamber of a gun, like of a revolver. It's um, a Zaro Wanted. A diesel is the one that comes in like a grenade. A grenade, no. It's like a grenade, but like um, a Zaro Wanted. I, I know what you're talking about. I know what you're, oh, wow. Um, people actually like a Zaro Wanted. They, um, there's two of them. There's one called Wanted and there's one called um, Wanted by Night. Oh, actually this is Wanted by Night. Okay, it is? Yes. Yeah, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> the amount of space in my brain fragrances take. I never realized that that I've seen that bottle, but I didn't know it was a chamber of a... Because I don't know anything about guns. So I, yeah. I I thought this was like a bullet canister that holds bullets. Until you just said it, I didn't know that this is what a chamber of a gun looks like. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to do like one a day. So I'll get back to you in like three weeks. And tell you <laughs> <which ones. laughs> but I'm like taking notes and everything. Oh, cool. See, honestly, getting into fragrances is like one of the... To me, it's like an easy hobby. Yeah. You can enjoy fragrances without spending a lot of money and there's just there's so much you can learn the other thing that's unrelated that do you know who dominique jackson is no don't think so. Have you seen the show Pose? No. no. Pose is a Ryan Murphy show and it chronicles the rise to prominence of the underground culture of ballroom voguing. Oh. Ballroom period. Mm -hmm. Now, because it's a Ryan Murphy show, you know, there's a there's a whole bunch of like dramatic stuff in there, so it kind of makes it but it does it does do a good job about like teaching the kids where the ballroom scene comes from and what it is. And you know, the whole Madonna Vogue that came from there because she borrowed it and whatever. But anyway, they have these trans actresses playing them. Like they, they, they went for actual real people who would be part of that community, who are part of that community. And they put them on the show, which is why I think the show is good. I don't credit it to actual Ryan Murphy's talent. Mm -hmm. Sorry about it. I think it's just because they found the people who actually understand the authenticity of what they are portraying, even though they're not perfectly trained actors. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So one of the actors, her name, she's a trans woman named Dominique Jackson. Mm. She is, just imagine Naomi Campbell, but taller. Dollar. And this woman, mm -hmm. this woman is years. She understands her body proportions. Mugler has a new campaign right now and Dominique Jackson is the face of that campaign. Mm. And when I tell you a couple of the shots from that campaign, 
And I was like, every other designer in that season, they've already lost. Like, I know that for a fact. <laughs> it's over. Go home. Mugler, they already won. Everybody else, go home. I was like, I was so excited. I think I tweeted about it two days ago. I was like, Dominic Jackson for Mugler, that's it. That's really it. Everybody else, go home. That was like a side, 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 side note. Oh, yeah. So then I've also, I'm probably halfway through this audiobook of Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Adeyemi. This book is fantasy young adult novel, which is not at all what I usually go for. But the reviews for this were like raving. The audiobook reviews in particular was supposed to be really good. So I gave it a try. So it takes place in this sort of alternate world, Nigeria, called Orisha. I know about this book. You know about this book? I haven't read it, but I know about this book. I remember when she was doing the publicity campaign for this. I remember this girl. This girl is young. This girl mm-hmm. is youngest. She is. She's younger than both of us. It's in this world called Orisha where magic exists, but there's a monarchy who has basically cut off the source of magic and the the magi, who are the people who can wield it, are trying to get it back. And the whole mythology of the magic in the book is based on Yoruba deities, which is really interesting because I feel like I've had the Greek mythology remix like 5,000 different times. So it's interesting to actually explore a different mythology but it's her first book it's part of a planned trilogy and you can you can tell in spots like this is this person's first book but it's very good i'm really enjoying it and the audiobook is narrated by bonnie turpin who is excellent and i didn't realize oh. it was her at first because i've heard her narrate other books but in an american accent and she does nigerian accents for all the characters in this audiobook really yeah so you said there's going to be a trilogy there's two more books coming right and i think one of them has been published or is about to be published and the other hasn't yet but yes she's planning a trilogy yeah i saw i was reading some of the stuff about her press tour for this book and people really loved the book and started calling her the black jk rowling and she was like can y'all not like (laughs) she was like i'd prefer the new jk rowling so then they're like oh the new So what have you been up to, Illuminae? First things first, I wanted to let you know that I actually went and I saw Heathers. (laughs) You did? (laughs) What did you think? I did. The day after the last time we spoke, I went and I saw that movie. I went and I saw it. And I was like, oh my god. First of all, the acting is completely rank. It is (laughs) terrible. (laughs) But it's so fucking hilarious. It is so funny. I mean, when I saw, like, my favorite thing, that scene where they're sitting in the faculty lounge and they're discussing how all these kids are just dropping dead. Yes. And they're they're looking at uh, Pauline and Pauline is saying some dumb shit. And uh, the principal goes, shut up, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) I wasn't expecting it. It, like, came out of left field and I was dying. He said, shut up, Paul. Yeah, that movie was hilarious. That's what I would consider it's square in the camp territory that movie is yeah. camp in fact yes. i would put it i would go on a limb and say that's high camp because <laughs> from start to finish i was like all of this was intentional it's so bad but it's intentionally yeah bad. it's terrible yeah i loved it i loved it yes. so you were right i was going to love that movie and i did love that movie it's so good but yeah even winona Ryder and christian slater who were like the big names that came from that movie both of them were pretty unknown like i think that was christian slater's breakout role and winona Ryder had just done beetlejuice but i think that was the only big thing she had been in I'm glad you didn't hate it. <laughs> the acting was rank. Complete. It's so bad. Because I went in, I, I went in thinking, okay, because like the Mean Girls acting was good. It was actually yes. good. So I was like, I went in thinking, okay, this is going to be like Mean Girls. And when, I, when it started, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. I know what this is. This is not Mean Girls. They are intentionally doing this horrible thing. Yeah, it was great. I loved it. And the, the punchlines are so good. They are 
so good. So the other thing is, this actually came from TikTok. Somebody on TikTok like said, here's a list of mind-bending movies that are on Netflix. And they were like listing them off. And you know, like anybody who knows me, they know this is squarely what I love. Like there's a formula to specific movies that I enjoy. Like stuff like Gone Girl, it's like a seemingly complicated plot with a fantastic dialogue and beautiful storytelling. That's it. That's the bare moon. Mm -hmm. You make a movie like that, that's exactly what I love. So all the movies he was listing fell squarely in that range. So I went down the <laughs> list and I saw that there's this movie on there that is, it's called The Invisible Guest. And it's kind of like a murder mystery, but it's a Spanish murder mystery. So the original language is in Spanish, which is fine because you just read subtitles. Um, mm -hmm. But it's actually good. I don't, I wouldn't say it's the best murder mystery I've ever seen, but the acting is great. And even the costume design and the makeup, it had every element in there. Like one woman, they made her up to be another completely different person. And in that scene, as she was playing, this is also credit to that woman's acting ability. I could not tell between the two characters who like, I couldn't tell that that was the same woman. And then they show a scene where she's taking off everything. And I was like, that was that woman. I was shook. I was shook. <laughs> so The Invisible Guest is a good movie. Spoiler alert, I'm talking about The Invisible Guest on Netflix. Basically, there are two murders in this movie. The first murder happened accidentally, but mm -hmm. kind of, it starts off being like an accident. And then like, it just quickly goes downhill and just turns into straight yeah. up murder. Uh, oh, a series God. of unfortunate events happen such that now a second murder happens to frame the people who committed the first murder <laughs> to get them to confess about the murder. And the whole thing is just this rolling ball. <laughs> it is a great movie and I thoroughly enjoyed it, but it ticks all the boxes. You know, it, it's not like one of those blockbuster American movies with that prioritized excitement over storytelling. Mm -hmm. This movie focuses on the storytelling and everything else has to fit in with the storytelling, not backwards. So, mm -hmm. I loved it. It was great. Also, we finally joined TikTok. Yay! Look at us. <laughs> I have to say, I owe the Gen Z a public apology because I was one of those people who insulted the Gen Z and TikTok. I was like, why are they making a second-rate Vine? We already had Vine. Like, what is wrong with these people? <laughs> Turns out, TikTok is actually great. And the Gen Z were right about it. And I owe them an apology. I shouldn't have been so highfalutin with myself thinking I'm too good for TikTok because it's lit. It's actually very lit. It has a similar feeling is vine but i would say it's slightly better there are like little tidbits of information and all of those things are things that i didn't know and i'm like learning on vine uh, on on tiktok and i'm like wow yeah but also you know what i realized the people on tiktok are now starting to make fun of the fact that the gen z are getting old and the generation <laughs> alpha after them is roasting them and oh, i no. love <laughs> it i love it I'm like, get them, <laughs> get them. Yeah. Forgetting us about the, the middle part or the side part, they need to get the Gen Z back, get them back. I like that you apologized to them two minutes ago and now you're like, get them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, well, I'm still upset about the fact that they called the millennials old for doing side parts. So yeah. they, I like, I'm still petty. I'm, I'm sorry that I made fun of them for liking TikTok, but somebody has to get them back for that. So yeah. <laughs> that's that on that. Yeah, I'm, I'm loving TikTok. I resisted. I'm right there with you where I owe them an apology. I resisted. I mocked. But I like, I opened it up and I expected to have to go like, I feel like a lot of social media networks, you have to really seek out content. Yeah. Go and find people. Like Twitter is really boring unless you are following like a community of people, but you, 
it's not intuitive to find those. Vine, or Vine. I keep calling it Vine, too. TikTok, I did that, I just, too. Did you, I don't know if you saw, like... Yeah, I just, like, opened it up, and it, there was just, there was content, and it was great, and it was hilarious. Like, I was like, oh, I didn't know how to do that. Like, oh, this is hilarious. Like, it was just, like, it just it happened is. magically. Now I'm upset that I didn't join TikTok sooner. So you can now follow us on TikTok at Big Empty Purse. So the topic we'll be discussing today is music videos. And the reason we've chosen this topic is because of Lil Nas X's music video called Montero, Call Me By Your Name. And for those of you who haven't seen that music video, I want you to pause the podcast right now. Go watch it and then come back. Yes. I'll wait. Go ahead. Pause it. Go. (laughs) Go watch it. Be right here when you get back. Because, I mean, that music video is great. It is completely great. It's fantastic. Because it came out, I think, the day we recorded the last podcast. So I didn't see it until afterwards. But I know I texted you almost as soon as I saw it. I was like, we have to talk about this on the podcast. (laughs) I was so excited. I made everyone watch it. It's so so good. good. It is so good. This is the thing, right? I have been screaming this for as long as I have discovered Lil Nas. I have said, we were talking about this a few episodes ago where I was saying how the kids who are younger than us they have a much clearer path to finding their self-identity because they don't have as many shitty things to unpack as we did and when Lil Nas X's first smash hit came out which was Old Town Road Road. I remember he like the song blew up and I remember watching an interview of him I need you to understand what I'm saying here that smash hit was not an accident Mm. it's not you know how some people have a smash hit and then it's completely fortuitous no Mm -hmm. He orchestrated that song to be a smash hit. He literally quit his job, went to sleep on his sister's couch for a certain number of months, and he systematically planned the rollout of this song and how he was going to market it to be a number one song. This kid is a fucking genius. He is not fucking around and playing games. He looks like he's just having fun, but the mind behind that character, genius. Mm-hmm. And I remember like, like as soon as the song blew up, people were like, who's Lil Nana? Who is he? Who is he? And then he came out and he just said, I'm gay. And he had an interview and somebody was asking him, why did you choose to come out as gay now? Because most artists, they understand that anything that cannot be marketed to middle America is going to hurt their career. So if the Bible Belt doesn't like the fact that you're gay, your career can take a hit and it could suffer. Why are you choosing to do this right when your star is rising? And he says, well, here's the thing, right? And this is like when I was really impressed with him. He said, if I don't do it now, when would I do it? Like when I'm completely blown? Because at that point, I'm already trapped. Besides, what difference does it make? I am gay, whether or not I say it. So when I might as well say it now, I was like, this person is self-aware. They get it. And at that point, I was like, I'm marrying this man. So shout out to Lil Nas X. If you're listening to this, let me give you my cell phone number. Call me because let's do this romance. I was so impressed with him. I was like, this person is so self-aware and so intelligent. You wouldn't believe it. I thought he was like our age or older. I went to look up his age. At the time, he was 19. And I was like, God damn it. For somebody, he, because I, I was like, I did, he, of course he looks really young. I know he is really young. And I was like, but the amount of self-awareness he had, I automatically, my brain registered that he has to be at least 30 or older. He's not. Mm-hmm. Right now, I think so he's just young. turned 22. If not, he might still be even 21. <laughs> wow. I think he was born in 99. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. How is somebody so self-aware so young? It doesn't make any sense to me. What's impressive, I guess we could talk about what's impressive about this music video. This music video is, again, very intentional. The whole thing of the, you know, the Bible Belt say, oh, the gays are going to hell. The gays are going to hell. You know what Lil Nas X did? He went to hell. He went to hell. He went to hell. 
for a music video. He knows exactly how the song is built to market itself. Does that make sense? Like the amount of people who hate it are marketing it for him. Yep. He goes to hell on a stripper pole. On a stripper pole. You don't understand. There, there, in my mind, I couldn't even have thought this up. There is no, no more interesting way to get a descent into hell. <laughs> I I screamed when I saw he was like ascending to heaven and all of a sudden the stripper pole appears and when he just like flies down to hell with the red braids going and the legs spread on the stripper pole I screamed. I was like ah it was, it was so, so good. good. He went to learn how to pole dance for this music. This is what I he's very intentional. If I had thought about it I'm like if I had to shoot a music video of somebody's descent into hell the first thing that popped into my head wouldn't be a stripper pole. I'd be like yeah. okay it's either a free fall or there's a ladder and they trip off the ladder and they fall it's still a free fall or i would think of like a what do you call the spiral slides that mm -hmm. you get on at the top and you go all the way down but this kid the first thing he thought of was a stripper pole and mama that is the best idea because it goes in with the whole trope of giving the devil a, a lap dance i'm like i watched that video so many times and it's a really short music video i wish it were longer it's so mm -hmm. short but it is so good yeah this music video is marketing itself brilliant you know it what really is. like i think he this song is as of yesterday or today is already number one on the uk charts mm. the yeah. song itself I, I don't think the song itself he's not dropping bars this is not like a yes he's a genius though like it's so ostentatious in some ways and like but then he also put little things in there, like the Latin on the floor when he's in hell and walking up to Satan says, like, they condemn what they do not understand. Like, he put Easter eggs in there for people right. to find. And that at the same time, he has, like, the giant blue wigs and the, like, denim fans. When we were kids, we were watching Powerpuff Girls with Mojo Jojo and him. Do you remember him from mm -hmm. Powerpuff Girls? The same exact thing as the Lil Nas X character in this music video. <laughs> He's walking on hooved stilettos, him. Actually, do you remember, like, the very pointed, do you remember the character him, the red guy with the horns? Mm -hmm. Same thing, same thing. Him was a sexualized, pretty much gay character, and we were watching Powerpuff Girls as kids. So, Lil Nas X, <laughs> please call me, please. please. Oh, and have you seen the, the butt plug in this There's movie? a butt plug in the music video? So he, when he like gets hit in the head, when he's in the middle of that arena, like they're throwing things at him and something hits him in the head and he dies and starts going up to heaven. It's a butt plug. So you can like <laughs> zoomed in on the video. I didn't catch it. He is so there's smart. There's a butt I plug? I swear to God, there's a butt. Like the, they zoomed in on his face when it's like coming at his face and that's what somebody throw, threw at him to kill him. In the... He gets it's, it. It's, it's so, so... Yeah, I have to watch this video like 200 times because I feel like I will... <laughs> <laughs> it is a butt plug! <laughs> I'm sorry, he won. Everybody else this year, if this doesn't win video of the year, it's probably because somebody campaigned against him and they just didn't... This is already the video of the year. I'm sorry, I don't believe there's gonna be another video this year that's gonna... It, he's already won. Everybody else go home. Like, this is what I mean by, I don't think it's unintentional, the fact that he has chosen very specific looks for this music video. Because you know during Halloween, all of us are going out as characters from this music video. Mm -hmm. Like, <laughs> that music video is going to continue to market itself to perpetuity. It's a brilliant concept. I'm already going to order my thigh-high black patent leather boots. 
I'm ordering my red braid <laughs> wig and yeah. I'm going out. This this is how we're doing it this year. So that's it. That's really oh. <laughs> I'm gonna do the two foot tall blue curly wig and the the, mo- <laughs> and the, like, the Madge Simpson denim pantsuit. <laughs> when you think of a music video, what are the purposes of it, and what kind of functions can it serve for an artist? The way I see music videos is when I watch them. They're supposed to be a visual of what the song represents, kind of like um a strong imagery of the concept of the song. For example, it could be a scenery that captures the mood of the song, or uh, the video could literally be a punchline to the song. So if the song sets up a punchline, the music video is going to be that punchline. A good example is, have you heard the song by Rihanna called Russian Roulette? I don't think so. It's pretty much a a song about Russian Roulette. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah, so she's it's a song that explains the the concept of Russian roulette. It's it's a gun. Speaking of Azar Wanted by Night, it's a gun with a, a chamber that holds six bullets, but you only load one bullet in the chamber. And of course, two people sit across the table and they each grab the gun, put it to their head, and pull a trigger. Obviously, there's only one bullet, so there is a what what's the probability there? I guess one in six. But the probability of the bullet being live after each round goes up astronomically. So anyway, the song is saying how she's playing Russian roulette with this guy and he says to her, close your eyes and count to 10, sometimes it helps. And she gets the scary thought that the fact that he's here playing this game with her means he's never lost. So of course her heart is pounding even more and the very last frame of that song is a loud bang gunshot and the song ends. If you're not watching a music video and the gun goes off and that's the end of the song, you don't know if Rihanna is the one who shot herself or if the guy is the one who shot himself. So when the music video comes around, the music video frames it such that it gives you the visual satisfaction of knowing who got shot and it's not Rihanna. Does that make sense? So like the punchline to the song was the music video. Without the music video, the question would remain unanswered, which is also an artistic choice. She could have chosen not to do a music video for that. And the song would just remain, nobody knows for that song who died. Right. Mm -hmm. But it also shows the imagery that runs through one's mind when the near-death experience. So the kind of anxiety you'll get, the despair, the tension, the terror, all that. And they did it really well. Like they had some sequences Mm. where they show Rihanna really like (laughs) going through it. And they put all this like montages of her seeing her life flash before her eyes. So the, the video pretty much carries you through and you feel everything as the video goes. Another one that I think does it well in terms of the purpose of a music video is Amy Winehouse's Back to Black. So here's the range for those of you who don't know. Amy Winehouse's Back to Black is directed by Phil Griffin, and it depicts the emptiness and numbness that comes when a whirlwind romance ends suddenly. At the time when she wrote that song, in real life, Amy Winehouse's boyfriend, Blake, left her for his former girlfriend, and she was devastated. And what people who have addictive personalities do when they're devastated, they go on a reckless bender. And the reason they do that is because they're just trying to escape the depression. So what she would do is she'd go out playing pool, getting blackout drunk every single night, just so she didn't have to feel so destitute. And then every time she'd do that, you know, she'd get hazy and that's going to be it. She can't even remember what happened. So when she wrote that song, the song was written to give you the feeling of what it's like to be that depressed and go on a bender. Now, if you remember in the song, there's a part in the hook where the tempo slows down and she does the thing where she goes black and then the tambourine hits. 
Mm-hmm. Black. She did that to mimic what it's like for her to be slurring. And what it mm. sounds like is a very distant echo. Now, cut to the music video. The song already does a great job about putting in the mind frame, but I, so, some people can hear that and not understand why she had that artistic choice of slowing down the tempo to echo back to black, uh, black several times. But it's pretty much that. When the music video was made, it was a black and white music video, which everything looks sad in black and white. And it's like kind of slow motion. And the music video was shot from the concept of Amy Winehouse attending a funeral. Mm. And it was, God, I've never seen a funeral be so beautiful in my life. <laughs> Honestly, the funeral in Back to Black is so beautiful to look at. They have the hearse come in and they pull the casket out of the hearse, but the casket is not like a 12 inch by maybe eight inch box. Mm. And they bring it and they put it into the, the hole that was dug into the ground with the, with the headstone. And the headstone reads RIP to the heart of Amy Winehouse. Mm. Clever. Because like she was burying her own heart and that 12 inch by eight inch box just the depiction of what it's like to be depressed because of the heartbreak what's Mm -hmm. interesting about that is after amy died i think on july 23 2011 they went back and edited that video to take out the the shot that shows r.i.p to the heart of amy winehouse on the headstone of that tomb yeah they took it out which they didn't have to but like i guess because you know the official report of Amy Winehouse's death is she died of alcohol poisoning. But I really think what killed her is that her heart stopped. Mm. I, it could be related to the alcohol poisoning, but her heart did stop because like, she had heart problems, I think. She was bulimic mm. for a, a good chunk of her life. So for whatever reason, that complicated heart issues for her. So her heart was kind of weak. So mm. she, she, she died of heart failure essentially so i think in respect to emmy they went out and took out that frame those who are bigger emmy winehouse fans than me can check this and roast me in the comments but essentially (laughs) like that was so those music videos i think that's what a music video should do it should not just be an artist lip-syncing on screen for three minutes like the music video actually has to capture the vibe of the song and most good artists, they've already done such good work in the song to depict that imagery. No, I agree. I think I think it's really cool to see artists sort of... Because the songs are designed to stand alone. Like, that's how most people are going to consume that song. But I love seeing when an artist, like, starts with that song and really is able to expand on it. And, like, you get to see a little more of their vision. Um I think not all music videos do that. Some of them really look like they were obligated to make a music video and they are right. not <laughs> pleased to be there or they're just like <laughs> they're just like standing there like singing the song and they do some like obligatory dance and they're like fine here's your music. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> or yeah. or others just go completely overboard and they just like make a random short film that has almost nothing to do with the song. Like I feel like they should sort of support each other the song yeah. and the the music video so it's cool when it's like you you have the song and you really like the song and the music video just sort of expands on it and makes you like that song even more big idea but also i think they're good for some other things one of which is associating a dance with your song like a sort of signature dance marketing yeah marketing Yep, that dance is part of the marketing for sure. Like Beyonce, single ladies, the like flipping the hand back and forth with the ring on it. I mean, the whole <laughs> the whole dance from that video 
we've talked about it before on the podcast that it's like it, it's sort of borrowed, but it's so iconic and people like remember moves from that video, <laughs> Gangnam Style. Literally, like oh, yeah. it was <laughs> like nobody even knows the words, but people knew the Gangnam Style dance. All of the dumb like crank that soldier boy like pop lock and drop it like <laughs> those yeah. don't even need necess- crank that soldier boy you did need the music video to get that i don't uh. even know what it was supposed <laughs> to be like like revving like <laughs> like motorcycle handles or something I, I don't know it was ridiculous but i could still do the soldier boy dance till today yeah that like back and forth <laughs> yeah the superman the that hoe which by the, the way su- i feel superman like that hoe <laughs> That song was so, I mean, how that song got on the radio, again, is another stroke of genius, because... But even, like, those can be so enduring, like, the Thriller music video. Like, there's probably people who could do the Thriller dance who have never even seen the Thriller music video. And I was thinking of, like, Vogue by Madonna. Like, this was almost the opposite. Like, I said, usually the song is sort of on its own. I feel like this is one of those that, like, it was never going to exist without a video. Because, yes. like, it's about a dance style. And she was like, y'all need to know about voguing. Like, here, <laughs> observe something that I need to bring into your consciousness. But she didn't just write Vogue as a song to a dance. She wrote it to explain why it existed. So mm-hmm. if, if all else fails and you long to be something better than you are today, I know a place where you can get away. And it's called the dance floor. And here's what it's for. Basically saying, you can't go anywhere else. Everything is bleak. But there's this small community in this small space that as soon as you walk into this place, everything else melts away. And what you do is you vote. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think it, it. her genius was that she wasn't just going to make a, a, a song about a dance. She made the song to explain the culture that birthed that dance. So anyway, mm-hmm. that I think Madonna's Vogue song is great for like so many reasons. I I would even go out on a limb and say it's one to someone for best work, although people don't agree with me, but I think so too. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, because she took the trouble to really like understand it and represent it where I feel like a lot of artists could and and have through history <laughs> could have just like been like, well, this is my thing. Like, Madonna invented Vogue. <laughs> like, <laughs> but that's the thing. Would you understand the thing? People um, actually hated Madonna because they thought that's what she did because Mm -hmm. from the outside looking at it it feels like oh madonna went and she found willy ninja she put these vogue artists into her videos and you know they kind of thought she just took advantage of the movement to have something for herself but if you look at it the other way right voguing for the most part would have never the queer community that was brought into the forefront of the consciousness at the time, which I think was very much needed at the time of the AIDS crises, because not only do people already like not fuck with queer people already, but everybody else's everybody else thought that the AIDS crisis was because of the queer community, and there was like even more mm-hmm. hate and stigma. The 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 coming of the Vogue scene kind of like put a human face on it, and like made it up. For, even if it didn't put a human face on it, it kind of made it popular and like cool and enjoyable so that mm-hmm. it kind of deflected a little bit of that hate, if that makes sense. So I think it came yeah. at a really good time. And I think if every, even if we say Madonna was being selfish and she took this for herself, what that music video did for that community, the pluses are like much greater than the minuses. So mm. anyway, shout out to Madonna. I still think she's a wench, <laughs> but she did a good job here. Um <laughs> 
Oh, but another thing I think is interesting that can be done with music videos is when it's a group instead of a single artist, the videos really can build personas, like differentiate different members of that group. Mm. Boy bands did this forever. So like people would, you know, which member of the boy band do you like the most? You knew all different Beatles. Uh, the Spice Girls had, I mean, they had the names too, but Sporty, Baby, Scary, Ginger, and Posh Spice. <laughs> Like, every Spice Girls video, like, they have their own very distinct looks. Like, doesn't matter what the video is like. And I mean, it's it's not like it's that complicated. Like, sporty dresses, sporty baby to live. But like, <laughs> it's like, you know, we used to, when I was a kid, we played, like, Spice Girls was a game we played. And like, you were, you would dress up like, like, just like, I was always Posh Spice. <laughs> I see that for you. I love that for you. <laughs> you, you love that. <laughs> oh. but yeah when you when you just hear the song and you can't always like necessarily tell the voices or whose voice is whose it really helps to like oh i see yeah bring bring faces and personas to a group of musicians so do you watch music videos really regularly or do you just look them up when they're sort of trending for so so if i hear the song and i think the song is extremely clever and there's an interesting premise I will see if there's a music video because my whole goal is I want to see how the director chooses to depict that song because there's some songs you listen mm -hmm. to and they, they have such depth to them like this song should have a music video mm. so um, yeah. otherwise I just watch what's trending yeah I don't look I don't watch them very regularly um, if it is an artist that I really like or like an album or a song that I really like I'll go find them but Mostly it's just people start having conversations about it and I need to know, I need to get in on the conversation. <laughs> Can't be left out of the movie. But then you can get down a rabbit hole. Um, I did that looking up for things for this episode. It's like you watch one and another one's there and another one's there and then you've been watching yeah. music videos for three hours. <laughs> what you just described, going down the rabbit hole for hours on a music video is part of the initial strategy of MTV. They made a whole station of TV with music videos, knowing how addictive they are, such that you're going to be tuned in to watch. Like, it was, there's no reason why a television station should be dedicated to music videos. Right. You know what I mean? It's, it's, not, it's not long form programming, but they knew as soon as you got hooked on the first one, you would stay mm -hmm. for the whole thing. And how do you measure ratings? For a television show, for a television station that just does music videos. <laughs> now, I don't know if MTV is still like a, a hot and popping thing. I remember like I, I'd get back from school and I'd, I'd just turn on MTV just to see music videos. Like I wouldn't go look mm. for like a TV show or a cartoon. MTV was it. Although MTV <laughs> also kind of did cartoons because I don't know if you remember the cartoon show called Daria. Mm, was that on MTV? I think so. Daria was on MTV. Yeah. For those of you who haven't seen Daria, do yourself a favor and go see Daria. Because <laughs> that show got canceled, I think, too soon. They have to bring mm -hmm. it back. So what are your what are some of your favorite music videos? The first one that has like a special place in my heart, just because it's the first one I really distinctly remember, is Britney Spears' Baby One More Time video. Um, oh, yeah. With the schoolgirl <laughs> outfits, with the tied-up shirts and the little <laughs> hair pigtails. So good. I knew every word. I could do all the moves. I was like eight years old when that song came out, and I did not realize how sexualized that schoolgirl <laughs> outfit was. Yeah. I just loved it. I was all about it. 
Um, what are another one that I really liked that came out a couple years ago? Um, J. Cole's song ATM. It's off the KOD oh. album. Mostly I because I really like J. Cole. It wasn't a very big one. I'm I'm a big J. Cole fan. We're from the same hometown. I really like him. But most of his videos are not very impressive. They're just the style of him, like, walking around rapping. Just, like, walking. Right, right. Walking around. Hip-hop music <laughs> wandering videos, around. Like, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're not. They're but, not. Some are good. Some are good. We'll talk about this in a yeah. second. But, like, some are good. Biggie, um, Biggie's hypnotized. Remind me later. I'll talk about that. But, like, yeah. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but this one is great. It's like so whacked out. It's almost cartoonish. Like it's shot from these very weird angles that like look very distorted. Yeah, it's just way over the top. I really enjoy it. I'm um, looking at the thumbnail of this music video. Is there a paper mache wall that's made out of dollar bills? Yeah, he's in a he's in a padded cell made of dollar bills with a straight jacket on. <laughs> it's so good. It's so, so good. <laughs> it's so good. Or like he goes to like buy a car at one point and literally like pulls off his arm and his leg and hands it to the car salesman. <laughs> it costs an arm and a leg. <laughs> <laughs> and he carries it around. It's like the the like old bank robber <laughs> cartoons, like the bags with the big dollar signs. Like the whole thing is like cartoonish, but still has all these elements of like a rap video. It's excellent. It's I love so it. I, I'm going to watch this after this. Yeah, I'm going to go watch it. And the, it's called ATM. That's very apt. That's very clever. Yep. See, um, another one, I, I, lots of people like this one, but the OK Go video, here it goes, where they're on the treadmills. This one is great. This one, it can't have even cost much money to make. It's a single stationary camera. It's some treadmills. The backdrop, I went back and watched it again. The backdrop is just like this shitty, like, sheet <laughs> up in the background. <laughs> Fabric. But it's, <laughs> but it's so effective, like, and it's so memorable. Just that, all the, like, just really well choreographed, like, stupid treadmill dance that really fits the song. Oh, the Fat Boy Slim Weapon of Choice. This is the, the video with Christopher Walken. I was going to talk about this. Yes. <laughs> I love this. I love this video. It's so iconic. It's just Christopher it Walken. It's he's literally just like wandering through a hotel, just dancing. It's, Did that's you know it. that Christopher like... Walken is a trained dancer? Is he really? He's, I mean, he's he... a trained dancer. A trained <laughs> I didn't dancer. Know that. He's a great actor, sure, and that's what he's mm-hmm. known for. But he is a trained dancer, and specifically a trained tap dancer. This man, mm. I think that when this video was shot, he must have been like 57 years old. I was wow. like, that man is moving like that at 57. I love yeah. that Yeah. <laughs> it's excellent. It's so good. It just like, because the, the first like 30 full seconds of the song or something, he's just sitting there. Like he's just sitting in a chair doing absolutely nothing. And then he like, stands up and then just like dances through this whole hotel (laughs) it's excellent and i think this is what's brilliant about that music video right any other person doing that like say for instance when sia did a similar thing with maddie ziegler for chandelier Mm -hmm. maddie ziegler is a great dancer don't get me wrong she's not a great actor christopher walking's his ability to take up screen space with his charisma 
while he's a great dancer is what put Fatboy Slim's music video. Like, mm-hmm. above. C.S. Chandelier's music video can't reach the level of Fatboy Slim's music video simply because no. the person who's doing the dancing is also a fantastic actor. So, mm-hmm. yeah. 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 No, you're totally right. He doesn't he doesn't say a word in the music video, but he is acting. He is acting yes. up a storm and he has such yes. presence in that video. Have you ever watched K-pop music videos? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I can't keep a straight face. Yes. <laughs> Their music videos are wild. I love them. <laughs> Very high production value, these like insanely choreographed dances. It's just <laughs> they go all the way out. Some of my favorite music videos are um pretty much almost everything from Lady Gaga's early years. Mm-hmm. Like Paparazzi is always gonna be one of my favorite music videos. The whole oh, premise of that good. video this is Gaga's genius, right? She before she got famous she took the time to understand what fame is hmm. and why it can go down south very quickly. So when she started to get famous, a lot of her early work was just saying, okay, this is what fame is going to try to do to me, so y'all be ready because I'm not going to let you get me, right? And <laughs> the whole premise of paparazzi was, you know, she's so famous that the paparazzi is trying to get her and of course, the guy she's dating strikes a deal with the paparazzi to get a shot of her doing something that could expose her on like the balcony of this rooftop mansion. And she, of course, is fighting him because, you know, consent. <laughs> um, and he gets upset and he tosses her off the roof. And of course, that even feeds into the media frenzy even more because here's her falling off this roof. She goes through this whole music video on crutches, showing yeah. these beautifully crafted scenes of her in this lavish mansions, again, having to do with fame. And then at the end, she comes back, she heals herself, her limbs are fine, poisons the boyfriend. Then to end the... This is what I mean by the punchlines. At the punchline of this music video, she calls 911, and the operator says, 911, what's your emergency? And she says... I just killed my boyfriend. (laughs) I mean, when I say Gaga, that music video is genius start to finish. I think it's very clever. Um, I know Bad Romance is also a really good one. Michael Jackson's thriller, um, his bad, the Billie Jean and the Scream, which, by the way, Michael Jackson's thriller is the original Inception. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) Like... He's in the movie theater watching himself on the screen turn into a <laughs> werewolf, scares the girlfriend. He takes the girlfriend's terms out of the mu- music, uh, music, the movie theater. Then they go on the walk to clear her mind, and then they get accosted by zombies. Yeah. <laughs> and while they're being accosted by zombies, the girl freaks out and turns around, realizes her boyfriend is now one of the zombies. And instead of the zombies to immediately attack her, what did they do? They break into a dance routine. (laughs) (laughs) And of course, she runs into a barn to hide. He eventually catches up to her as a zombie. 
And then when he reaches to grab her, turns out she was dreaming. And then she wakes up and they proceed to take her. Oh, he proceeds to take her home. Then he turns around and he's wearing these. <laughs> and Michael Jackson turns around with this Aiden Zane contact lens. <laughs> where he looks like Aiden an alligator. Zane. But anyway, yeah, that music video was the original one. And mm-hmm. fun fact, Michael Jackson's Scream, the song Scream. By the way, that's a beautiful song. I don't know if you've have you heard the song. A scream oh, by Michael Jackson. Scream? Uh, yeah. I don't think I have actually. I think it's pro- if it's not, I could be wrong. Somebody fact check me if I am, <laughs> but I think it might be one <laughs> of the only, if not the only, song that Michael Jackson and Jenna Jackson did together. Mm. Which is huh. wild. The yeah. two biggest pop stars at the time doing a song together, and they also happen to be siblings. Mama, this music video was it. And at the time, Mm. that music video was the most expensive music video ever made. Mm. Till today, that music video still is the most expensive music video ever made. It's wild to me. (laughs) It is wild to me. That music video is them in a black and white in a futuristic spaceship. It... It has aged so beautifully. I think they built a zero a zero gravity chamber just so Michael and Janet can be floating for this music video. Oh my god. Expensive. <laughs> this, but it's so pleasing to watch. Like it's worth it. I think this is still one of the best music mm-hmm. videos to date. It's a beautiful music video. So uh, it's called Scream and the whole premise of the song, the the media harassing the celebrities, like the tabloids and the everything Madonna did in the eighties, even until to like some of her later stuff she's good mm-hmm. at making music videos like missy elliott everything missy elliott did i should i say more <laughs> that's it no. everything missy elliott did work so it good. um she's a beat every single thing missy did all her music videos slap i don't think there's anybody who does kitschy music videos as well yeah. as missy does <laughs> nobody outcast first of all outcast hey yeah mm-hmm. people don't get this They just think it's just a screaming music video. It's not. It was a play on the Ed Sullivan show where it was the first televised introduction to the Beatles. Where Mm. Ed Sullivan announces, and now here comes the Beatles. So there's an announcer that brings on Andre 3000, who plays like every single band member. (laughs) And what's clever about it is the song is already like a high-tempo beat. But mm-hmm. when they shot the music video, they have the track of like the people in the audience screaming along, chanting along with it. So every time you watch that music video, it just amplifies the hype of the song because mm. the music video is already. So it's I think it's just a brilliant way to have the song blow really fast. It's, it's a great. Anyway, George Michael's freedom. First of all, did you know that George Michael caught a lot of flack in his day? Because at the time, he was rivaling Michael Jackson for the biggest pop Mm. star. And all the critics were saying how George Michael wasn't as talented, but he relied on the visual cues of beautiful people in his music videos. And that's what kind of like got him there. But they were like, his actual musical talent is not great. So you know what George Michael did in response to that? This is how you know he's clever and he's petty as fuck. When they criticized him <laughs> of doing that, he then said, you know what we're going to do? Let's call up every single supermodel that ever was 
and let's put them all in the music video, lip syncing to the song. And I won't even appear in the song. They want to see beautiful people. They're going to sit. Because, like, they were criticizing him of saying, you just put beautiful people in your music. And he goes, yeah. So so he put every single. He put Linda Evangelista. He put Naomi Campbell. He put um, Christy Turlington. He put all of the 90s supermodels in that song, lip singing. That's why that song was instantly iconic. And since then, I don't think. I think a lot of people have tried to get all the supermodels back together to do stuff like that. But it'll never happen. Like, like that moment, George Michael, God, it's never going to be like that. And the song itself, I don't think is great. It's probably like a B-plus song. Freedom, <laughs> I won't let you down, freedom. It's not, I don't think it's a fantastic. But, like, the music video put it over the top. So, also, Florence and the Machine also has great music videos. Just saying. So, what are some of your least favorite music videos? It's a lot of music video tropes that I find really irritating. But the one video in particular that really... It's not even, like, the most irritating. Just for some reason, it irritated me, and then I kept seeing it. Because most vid- music videos, like, I'm not... I have to go and seek them out. So if I don't like it, I just turn it off. But <laughs> Taylor Swift's Shake It Off video, I could not escape from. I hate that stupid video. I hate the song. It's not a good song. It's not. And it's just Taylor Swift, like, crawling under black girls who are all in a line twerking and being like, Ooh, I'm just a... <laughs> Silly little white girl, I can't do It's like, I, I hate that video. I hate it's, that song. I really don't like Taylor Swift. <laughs> She's not, there, like... <laughs> okay, I'm glad you said that because I don't want to be the only hater out here. As an artist, also as a person, like, I, I don't care for her. Yeah, a lot of her music yeah. videos are not great. Okay. Yeah, and everyone will be like, oh, well, she writes her own music. It's like, yeah, it shows. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mention this in the last, when we're talking about great music videos. I wanted to say Niles Barkley's Crazy with the Rorschach. Mm. That was great. That is yeah. also iconic, and it's going to go down as being one of the greatest forever and ever and ever. It's a really good music video. But back to the shitty music videos. <laughs> Britney Spears, when she did Gimme More, I was like, I think they just went lazy on that one. Because I remember seeing that music mm. video, I was like, this is bad. Like, <laughs> I th- like when you said earlier when like some artists are contractually obligated to produce a music video, and they just have to shoot something, this is what this is. I swear. <laughs> it's not good. It has no concept. She goes to a bar, and she's dancing on the nearest pole. I'm like, I'm sorry. What? <laughs> But also, there like there are a lot of tropes of music videos that are just trash. Like, mm-hmm. just a montage of them performing the song into a microphone without any interest in concept. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, what? Yeah. So just like them shooting footage of your live show? Like, who cares? Yeah. Demi Lovato also, her videos won't age well at all. I'm saying it mm-hmm. right now. Put the, put the, somebody put the timestamp on my words. Demi Lovato's music videos will not age well. Unless she does something different. Because she just does these very modern... Like, she'll sing against, like, a backdrop that just has a really modern print. But that modern print is so stamped in today's time Mm. that if you take it out of frame in another 10 years, it won't make sense. It won't make Hmm. any sense. So Demi Lovato, you're doing yourself a disservice. Your music video... Like, her music video for Heart Attack, the vocals on that Heart Attack builds up and there's like a huge explosion when she does that high note and the music video mm-hmm. is just meh and i'm like hmm. really like you could go a million ways with this why anyway so she's it's not 
Next. <laughs> They're all lazy. <laughs> what are the most iconic music videos that you just remember? I'm trying to think, and I, this definitely won't be comprehensive. I already mentioned Gangnam Style. That was, yeah, a, okay. that was a whole cultural phenomenon of its own. But Never Gonna Give You Up by Rick Astley has just become a, a thing on its own. <laughs> if you don't know the name of the song, that's the video for Rick Rolling. <laughs> yeah. It's I so just... bad. <sighs> I don't even know. I don't know how Rick Rolling came about, but... I hope Rick Astley makes a lot of money for that random trash I'm sure music he did. video slash song. I'm sure he did. That music <laughs> video was does. garbage. Mama. Garbage. <laughs> <laughs> the song is actually not bad. But... What? The Never Gonna Give You Up? Yeah. If you take the music the video away, the song is not the worst. <laughs> I don't think I've ever like listened to it on its own. Exactly. This is what I mean. The song is... Just, <laughs> the music video did it such a huge disservice. But iconic in a good way and memorable in a good way. Childish Gambino's This Is America video, that dropped, that had the white people fucked up. <laughs> they, did they were pressed. No, no. <laughs> pressed, mama. Oh my god. The video is so good. And that's when we're like, this. I like the song, but I feel like the song on its own is not, not that, that special. Yeah. But the video is so good. Yeah. It's just constructed so perfectly. Like every... Like, every dance move and every thing that happens in it is so symbolic and so, like, purposefully constructed. Um, and wasn't it all done in one take, too? Was it? It looked like it. I don't know if they chopped it I wouldn't it be up, surprised. But, uh, yeah. I was so impressed. I was like, They wow. at least made it look like that. Like, used yeah, that style, so which was really cool. Yeah, the white people didn't like what Childish Gambino said that this is America was, which... <laughs> you know, first of all, let's, let's talk about this for, like, 30 seconds. <laughs> like, you know how white people will say when some dumb thing happens, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. This yeah. I'm like, this is exactly who we are. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. I'm so sorry. What? When they're like, oh, we, are, we don't condone violence. This is not who we are when like a, a mass shooting happens. But I'm like, wait a minute. Though. Like, how many yeah. mass shootings are there? Also, this is not that iconic. I don't know why. Just the, the, like, talking about all these videos, the visual came into my mind of Miley Cyrus naked on that wrecking ball. <laughs> I came in like a wrecking ball. <laughs> Honestly, though, I feel like that video might age well. Even if it's out of context, Miley on a giant wrecking ball is going to age well. I feel like it will. So yeah, that was a good music video. So what are your thoughts on visual albums? I feel like they're great in concept. But honestly, when it comes to the execution, it's, it's difficult to make it work. Because for you to make that, you'd have to make the whole film into a continuous visual concept. Which would mean you'd have to write the music to fit that concept. So if you want to make an album, every single song, the first has to lead into the second perfectly, the second has to lead into the third perfectly, and so and that theme has to have a through line to it. Mm -hmm. At that point, you're just making a movie with a soundtrack, as opposed yeah. to the reverse, you know what I mean? So mm -hmm. I, I think a lot of uh, visual albums don't... they Because of that reason, because it's an album, there is no one perfect through line that you can use a visual cue to you know what i mean so mm -hmm. what they end up just doing is a lot of visual albums 
they just make them aesthetically pleasing. So they make sure that the, the, the camera lens is shot beautifully. They make sure that the angles are perfect. If there's a little bit of fashion, they put the fashion in there. Or if, they, if there's a scenic route, like an artist singing on a stool in the middle of a field of corn or a field of roses or a field of lavender. Or if it's like them singing right next to the beach on a water. That, those kind of pleasing shots is what they just put there. But there's no concept that can last a span of 12 songs. It just It's hard to mm-hmm. do. So yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah, I feel similarly. I don't think I've ever sat and watched one all the way through. Beyonce, in 2013, mm-hmm. I think that visual album, she called it a visual album, but it wasn't. Does that make sense? Yeah. It was just a compilation of beautiful music videos. Yeah, it was That's more it just was. that she did a music video for every song on the album, which like usually it's just the singles, which I I liked that actually. That was good. Um, I loved it. But yeah. But yeah, the like full-length visual album that she's done since then. Sorry Beyoncé. Not a huge fan. <laughs> no. I feel like a lot more music videos end up memeable because they're bad. <laughs> Like Taylor right. Swift's, this was more of the song than the video, but it always went along with the video. Uh, in trouble, <laughs> where she, <laughs> where she goes, trouble, trouble, oh, and then ah! replace that oh with <laughs> the screaming goat, <laughs> ah! the screaming goat, ah! or the automatic paper towel dispenser. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I forgot oh about the paper towel dispenser. Oh my god. Biggie, 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 can't you see? Sometimes your words just hypnotize me. And I just love your flashy ways. This is why they're broken. You're so paid. And the whole yeah. music video is I don't know if the FBI is after Biggie and Diddy. And they get in this car. I think it might have been a Mercedes. I don't know if it was like a Bentley. <laughs> But it looked like a Mercedes. And they get on this freeway and they start driving. And they do all these crazy stunts. And they put the car in reverse on the highway. And they're going. And Biggie's just sitting in this drop-top car with his uh, cane in the car. Just, <laughs> It was so good. It was so good. That music video has like the sepia tone on top of it. And I think that's one of the first music videos where hip-hop artists like got the money to do like an elaborate production and it slaps mm. even till today i watched that music video and i'm still impressed so that concludes our episode on music videos thanks everybody for joining us you can find us on twitter instagram and now tiktok all <laughs> at big empty purse tweet us message us send us your favorite music videos um and tell us any topics you'd like to hear us cover and on next week's episode we'll be talking about it's actually to be determined but tune in next week and we'll definitely let you know then. Until next time, peace.